Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian Podcast, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. My name is Josh, joined today by absolutely nobody. Because that's the kind of thing that happens when we have annoying, frustrating losses. And I think I'm starting a new rule. If we have an annoying and frustrating loss, then I'm going to do this unedited, probably solo. I'm not I'm not going to waste my time editing it. There's not going to be good content. It's basically going to be 20 to 30 minutes of me just whining about shit that pissed me off during this football game. So we'll, we'll, we'll take this one, I guess, from the top. The fourth down defense was probably the biggest thing that was a, a problem. This defense, I thought, in general, actually played surprisingly well. I think the advanced stats support that. You don't end up with a 98% win expectancy rate with Bill Connolly's stats without playing at least solid defense. We played solid defense. There was, what was it? Donovan Smith had a pretty low yards per attempt. Texas Tech, in general, had a very low yards per play. It was our discipline on fourth down and our discipline in general. So many penalties where we gave away third and ultra longs early on in the game to set up Texas Tech with, you know, either a fresh set of downs or a really short fourth down try. Going six for eight on fourth down obviously is terrible. I don't know what we're doing with the coverage in those situations. We play super soft coverage even when they don't have to gain that much yardage. So we ended up in this weird situation where the defense would make a play and then immediately undo anything good that it just did. And that is unbelievably frustrating. So it's, it puts the defense in this weird spot where it seems like there's a lot of things that they've gotten a lot better at. I know we didn't get the sacks we thought we were going to get this weekend, but we put a lot of pressure on Donovan Smith. I thought it was something absurd, like 44 quarterback pressures. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Um, but the biggest thing was the just inability to close out series. You'd have Texas Tech in a spot, a clear advantage spot for our defense, third and long or whatever. And you would just allow Texas Tech to pick up enough yardage to where they either got the first down or were in a spot where, you know what, going forward on fourth down was the easy and obvious choice. The other side to that, I think, is it sort of points out the frustration that I think a lot of Texas fans have had with our fourth down play calling on our own side of the football. We didn't run into it against Texas Tech necessarily, but through the Herman years, there was always this complaint about why are you going forward on fourth down? Why are you going forward on fourth down? This is why you go forward on fourth down. It gives you a better chance to win the game. I went through and did the math earlier this week. I think Texas Tech, if they had not gone forward on fourth down, would have cost themselves 14 points. Arguably more because one of those fourth down tries where they failed uh, was the one inside the five-yard line. Ultimately, Texas is set up inside their own five, has to punt out of their own end zone, a solid return from Texas Tech, and their final touchdown scoring drive comes on a short field starting at like their own 30-yard line. That was the one that tied the game like halfway into the fourth quarter. 
That's why you go for it on fourth down. Yes, the that can be frustrating. You feel like you left points out there where it's, oh, you didn't take the easy field goal. Field goals are cheap points. It's bad football to just settle for field goals constantly. Yes, there are the situations where it's too far or you don't have the right personnel available or whatever. But in general, football coaches do not go for it on fourth down nearly as often as they should. And it frustrates the hell out of me to watch a team not be afraid to go for it on fourth down and have it work to the level of success that it did for Texas Tech. The biggest thing that I think Texas fans hate about going for it on fourth down is they're traumatized by the poor play calling of Tom Herman or Tim Beck or Mike Yersich or whoever it was in the past to where it's not bad that we went for it on fourth down. It's just our fourth down play call was fucking stupid. So you saw a team in Texas Tech not afraid to go for it, built their game plan around being willing to go for it on fourth down and getting rewarded for being aggressive. And that that bothers me a lot more than I think most Texas fans have acknowledged beyond just being frustrated that they were that the defense was giving up fourth down conversions. The offense obviously, there's a lot to say there. Xavier Worthy going out early in the game really hurt the ability of the offense to sort of stretch the field and create space. That said, I don't think this offense did itself any favors. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian did the offense any favors with the way we called the game in the second half. We saw those first few drives really being aggressive with using the running backs out of the backfield, using them as receivers, not just Bijan, but Keelan Robinson got the scoring opening or got the opening score for Texas, sort of stumbling his way in. I don't know why we moved away from that. We've established that this offensive line whether it's from inexperience or lack of strength or whatever the case may be, is not able to consistently get a push up front on the interior line. And yet we kept going back to that well, like suddenly this time it was going to work. One of those things that really makes you look at the whole definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. That's what this second half felt like for Texas, was we didn't want to get creative. We didn't want to move guys around a little bit. We just sort of either wanted to make Hudson Card have to bail us out, which isn't a great decision. I think Hudson Card has shown more confidence, at least doesn't get full on deer in the headlights, but there are still shortcomings that Hudson Card has. He doesn't process the the field fast enough. He doesn't go through his reads fast enough. And when he finally makes a decision, it comes about half a second too late. And you saw that with Jordan Whittington on multiple occasions where it was, he was open. The first down could have been picked up. But the ball comes late, Jordan Winnington's already out of bounds, or at least close enough to out of bounds where the Big 12 is not going to review what should have been a catch. To watch us just go and settle into almost like a Tom Herman turtling type of offense was unbelievable. And then to see the number of people online who are just saying the players just need to play better or... Hudson Card is just not capable of running the offense. That's an excuse for one week. Okay, we didn't know necessarily against Alabama exactly what we were going to get at Hudson Card. We didn't know how much of the offense Hudson Card was capable of running. We now have a much better understanding of that, and yet we continue to try and force a square peg into a round hole to the detriment of this offense. We need 
to just lean on the things that Hudson Card does well. Is that a large band of things that he does well? No. But continuing to just hand the ball off because we don't trust Hudson Card to do anything at all is beyond one-dimensional. It's zero-dimensional. The defense knows exactly what's going to happen. We're just going to turn and hand it to Roshan or Bijan and tell them, hey, you're going to get hit in the backfield, but we need you to figure out how to get at least six yards on this play. And that is absolutely not sustainable. Even against teams as poor as Tech, uh, as lacking in the raw talent as Tech is. I don't care if Joey McGuire is going to be the next Nick Saban. He's not going to be. And I think Tech will eventually get better than they were. But right now, they are not at that point. They are not better than they were last year. Somehow, I mean, obviously, Quinn Ewers being out changes a lot of the math here. But somehow, Texas got significantly worse, taking, again, another double-digit lead into halftime, continuing that double-digit lead deep into the third quarter. I mean, we are up by 14 points with less than 20 minutes left in the entire game. Or not 20, 14 points, sorry. No, 14 points, 20 minutes, whatever. I probably said that correctly. I might have said it wrong. I'm not sure. There is no excuse for going several drives in a row there without figuring out how to even get a field goal. Like, okay, the the field compresses in the red zone and that gets difficult for a quarterback that you don't trust, like Hudson Card. I can understand not being able to execute on offense in the red zone. But that's not an excuse for why we aren't able to move it between the 20s and get ourselves at least into field goal range. Speaking of field goal range, though, Burt Auburn. Uh, I'm just going to keep giving that dude credit because holy shit, has he been great so far this year. No missed kicks. A few of them that maybe gave you some, some scares. But nothing that has been missed where it was not either tipped or a horrible hold. Obviously, the one against Bama where Will Anderson managed to get there, and then the poor hold by Isaac Pearson, are the two blemishes on an otherwise flawless campaign for Burt Auburn. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, He's been clutch, obviously. He had uh, a big kick against Alabama, had the big kick to send us to overtime as, as regulation expired against Texas Tech. He's not obviously not responsible for why we're in that situation. All he can do is deliver when he's asked to deliver. And that is the only thing Burt Auburn has done this year is deliver when he's been given the opportunity to deliver. That is phenomenal. I know Cameron Dicker, obviously, for good reason, is going to be a Longhorn legend for that kick against Oklahoma in 2018. But ultimately... Beyond that, beyond those super clutch situations, Cameron Dicker was not the most reliable guy. If we've managed to somehow improve our kicking game, moving on from Cameron Dicker, which I think according to the like Longhorn Nation poll was our number two kicker for the entire last decade of Texas football. If we manage to improve, that is great news. Uh, on the other side of things, let's let's see. What else bugged the shit out of me? Um, obviously, we we went over the pressures. 44 pressures for the defense against Donovan Smith, who managed to escape time and time again. I don't know how we managed to get so much pressure and not manage to finish any of it. How we can't bring that guy down once. Um, eventually, I, I would figure eventually that has to regress to the mean eventually we have to get rewarded for the pressures and that might come this week 
Uh, JT Daniels, famously, not much of a scrambler. We really got after him when USC came to town in 2018. Uh, if we can stay in his face, I think that will bode well for us. Not having a mobile quarterback is probably the biggest thing that's going to help this Texas defense look a lot better. I am hoping that that eventually pays off because I saw some graph at some point. I don't remember who put it together earlier today, but Texas has by far the highest rate of pressures in the Big 12 conference and yet is something like second to last in the sack rate. That doesn't line up. That doesn't add up. Eventually, you have to get rewarded for these pressures. The Texas defense, whatever Pete Kwiatkowski or... Uh, Bo Davis or Jeff Choate or whatever, whoever is the one dialing up this this way to get pressure um, has been doing a great job. We, we are able to get through. We are able to get penetration in the pass game. That's why Donovan Smith has to get rid of the ball so quickly. That's why his yards per attempt is so unbelievably low. And yet somehow we just can't seem to bring down the quarterback. Donovan Smith, really not a mobile quarterback. Not I mean, more mobile than JT Daniels, but certainly not Bryce Young or Frank Harris. We should have gotten to him at least three or four times. Unfortunately, we're unable to. I could understand the limited sacks against Bama and against UTSA because those are very strong athlete quarterbacks, very mobile quarterbacks, very elusive quarterbacks. That's why Bryce Heisman or Bryce Young won the Heisman. Bryce Heisman, I guess, works there. Why he won the Heisman is because he's able to extend plays. He's able to escape that pressure. UTSA, Frank Harris was basically just going super saiyan, trying to keep UTSA in it for as long as he possibly could and did very well, at least as far as keeping plays alive. Donovan Smith, I don't, I don't know. Just another one of those ones where a guy just plays out of his mind against Texas and probably this week against Kansas State will throw four interceptions, get sacked eight times, and we'll all be sitting here wondering how Texas lost. Even more than we are already wondering that right now. At some point, that has to get rewarded. I hope to see that this week. West Virginia, JT Daniels should be another guy we can get to really get in his face because it doesn't get easier the following week. Obviously, we're less than two weeks away now from the Oklahoma game. Dylan Gabriel, I think, is a guy who is like the definition of mediocre at everything, but he is able to keep plays alive. He is a good athlete. He can move around and avoid pressure. We need to really show and and I think build the confidence of the defense that, hey, this pressure works. The pressure will eventually get it done if they can get to JT Daniels in this West Virginia game. The last one, uh, just the turnover luck. Obviously only one turnover, I think. Two turnovers, of course. Two turnovers in the game. The one where Hudson Card tried to force the deep ball into double, double coverage, got burned on that one. Um, Obviously, that sucks. And then Bijan Robinson out of nowhere, um, giving up the fumble on the very first play in overtime. Extremely disappointing. Not something where I'm going to sound the alarms yet, though. Obviously, Bijan is a guy who has been proven to be a very reliable ball carrier. Clearly something that's not going to happen again. I know they talked a lot about him carrying the ball around the campus today or this entire week and Students have been trying to knock it out and basically making sure that he never drops the ball Uh, to a certain degree. Very performative. I guess that's something that might work in high school on a freshman who just had his first fumble and the coach is trying to teach him a lesson. I don't think there's anyone here who's sitting here blaming Bijan Robinson for the loss. 
or that's really that pissed at him for that fumble. Do we? Does everyone wish he didn't fumble? Sure. Does everyone wish the ball security in that very instant was better? Sure. Does everyone wish that Jatavian Sanders didn't miss the block that ultimately led to the hit that had the fumble? Sure. But I don't think anyone is individually within that play super upset. It was just sort of a microcosm of everything. The flip side of that was I think we forced at least two tech fumbles where tech just gets unbelievably lucky with the bounce, just unbelievable turnover luck with those those fumbles. That one that Donovan Smith had on their field goal drive to take the lead uh, basically gets hit from behind, ball drops right in front of him, and somehow just bounces back right into him as he's falling over. At that point, I think all of us should have realized it, it was game over. There was no chance that we were getting that we were going to win that game. It, it was one of those ones where the football gods had just sort of decided that even though we were in that situation where it's, you know, win your clunkers, win those games, good teams find ways to win games when they aren't playing their best. That was one of those ones where it's like, okay, clearly it's not going to happen. We aren't able to take advantage of when we're forcing fumbles. We're not able to get the recoveries, whether it's out of sheer luck or just, you know, Anthony Cook trying to pick it up rather than fall on it near the goal line. That type of stuff, uh, very painful to watch that and ultimately have us get bitten by it. Biggest thing, I mean, the offensive line has got to improve. We need Quinn Ewers back, clearly. Xavier Worthy needs to be not hurt for this game against West Virginia. I, I think if Quinn Ewers is back, this is a Texas team where we see problems, but we feel like we're nitpicking them more than anything else. Sure, the run game isn't necessarily working as well. The offensive line isn't necessarily a better run-blocking offensive line just because Quinn Ewers is there, but it at least makes their job a little bit easier because as it is with Hudson Card, defenses are more than willing to sit there and say, okay, beat us with your arm. And Hudson Card, for as hard as he's trying, playing through injury, the, the gimpy ankle and everything just is not able to actually challenge guys down the field, challenge defenses down the field. And they're able to just load up the box and all we can do seemingly, or all that Sark seems to think we can do is just hand the ball off and hope that Bijan manages to run through eight people on his way to a six yard gain, eight yard gain or beyond. We need to get that figured out. We need Quinn Ewers back. We need to see what the offense is actually capable of because Dallas Turner's hit ultimately has cost Texas fans a huge opportunity to see where the ceiling is for this offense. Because if you have an offense that can be aggressive, you have an offense that can score a lot of points. That's always a big play threat. Like you would have with Quinn Ewers with his arm, with his anticipation, his ability to make throws down the field. It changes how you play defense. It's all complimentary football. If you have your opponent feeling like they need to score points to keep up rather than they need to score points to either get caught up uh, against a team that's not able to be more aggressive and really step on someone's throat or drive the nail into the coffin. That makes the defense's job easier, and that's where you start getting into those sacks. It's no longer a, oh, I can just dink and dunk my way down the field if you're an opposing quarterback. If Texas is constantly a threat to score on any given play, you feel like you need to drive the ball down the field more and more. That puts pressure on the quarterback. He has to stand in the pocket longer. That gives our defense time to actually get to the quarterback, actually bring him down, rather than watch another four-yard, five-yard, six-yard pass, get behind the linebackers, and pick up an easy first down on third down. 
So obviously the game this weekend against West Virginia, it sounds like it's pretty damn close to another sellout, which I think is pretty impressive, all things considered. Coming off a, a, a loss that really, I think, killed the fan base's emotional momentum after the Alabama game. But... I, I, if if DKR can be loud, it's going to be another uh, the first night game really of the year against a real opponent. Uh, no offense to UTSA um, or Louisiana Monroe, but G5 schools are not Power 5 schools no matter how much you want to build them up. Big night game, first conference game. Feels like it's been a long time since we had a conference home night game at DKR. Hopefully they're loud, have an impact on West Virginia. West Virginia, another team that likes to go for it on fourth down, which I think should scare a lot of Texas fans just as far as like, you know, PTSD and deja vu and just watching the same thing happen again. I don't know that West Virginia has the weapons that should scare us, but I didn't think that about Texas Tech either. If Quinn Ewers is back, I feel like this is one that Texas can win pretty handily. Get Quinn some reps before the OU game, uh, which I will be in attendance for. So I hope to be happy for once this fall. That would be great. But uh, I guess that's really all I've got for this episode. Uh, Appreciate everyone for listening, tuning in to me sort of stumbling through and just sort of ranting and raving. I'm sure this was incoherent. I'm sure I left a lot of points hanging where I just started talking about something and then the sentence took me in another direction. Thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure to follow on Twitter at the FSS podcast, follow Hornscast on whatever your podcasting platform of choices for this episode, all future episodes, as well as episodes of all the other shows on the network, like pretend we're football, which has to be, you know, a few months away now. I don't know where basketball season starts. Um, Fourth and five. If Will Bazer ever decides to post anything, Make sure to hit us up on the Hornscast Discord. Interact with us during the week. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, the hot take line. Uh, Google Voice took that one down, so I need to get something set back up. Get new a new phone number for that one. Obviously, I think I cost myself quite a bit of content. I'm sure there were plenty of people who would have liked, liked to rant and rave a little bit after that Texas Tech game, and that would have been a good outlet for it. But, you know, shout out to Google for picking the worst possible time to pull the plug. Anyway, I will see you after the Texas Tech, or not the Texas Tech game, the fucking West Virginia game. This is this is the shit that you don't see, you don't get to hear when I actually get to edit the episode. You get to hear it this time because I'm not going to edit it. I'm going to slap an intro and the outro onto it, and we're going to call it good. But until next week, hook them. <laughs> <laughs>